Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody, we are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to season three of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. This week, we break down the May Melee knockout round and other gaming news. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another week of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. I uh, hope you've all been doing well. Hope you enjoyed the May Melee tournament. If you watch certain things, which I mean, assuming that you're listening to this podcast, we assume that you would be. Um, have you been in the past week, Kevin? Uh, it's been uh, it's been busy. A lot of things going on. Um, I I streamed for the first time uh i oh, think it was, it was right. last friday yeah i forgot hour? how time works yeah the 24-hour stream so did that uh it was supposed to be like majority pokemon snap right but mm-hmm. we didn't get pokemon snap until 7 p.m on friday we started mm-hmm. at noon so that's almost like that's almost a third of the show already just like not playing it um but the 24-hour stream went well. Uh, a lot of people came in, came through, uh, checked in, followed. Um, but I kind of want to stream a lot more. Um, it's kind of a getting my getting my body used to uh, streaming weird things again. So mm-hmm. um, started off with a lot of Pokemon Snap. I played a game called Passportor. Uh, Pass Passport Tour. Let me find it. Pass Passport Tour. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is so funny. It's a game of you you create essentially Microsoft paint paintings and you sell it to art snobs. <clears throat> and they're like, mm, I like the composition of this. Or mm, this this is absolute garbage. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, and then you paint an entire canvas white and you put a dot on it, and they're like, perfection. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Like <laughs> um, but yeah, it's called Passportort, uh, the starving artist. And I played that for a couple hours. And a lot of people, I was like, guys, what do you want to see me like scribble on this on this thing to sell to people? So um, there was one of, I sold a diva painting um, that was just Umaru diva and her mech. And it just says nerf dis. <laughs> and that was the title uh, that sold for like $300 or something like that. It's just really funny. It's a, it's a mm. fun game. Pass a lot of time, um, and yeah, it was just it, it was a great experience. I, I would recommend doing it if you wanna if you wanna see what if you wanna feel what an eternity feels like. 
It is <laughs> the last three hours of a 24-hour stream. That is mm-hmm. the longest uh, longest feeling. That's what purgatory feels like. Like Time is moving so slowly. Uh, it is insane. But other than that, um, just been trying to hang through the week. Uh, how about you, how, Matt? How, how's everything going on? First off, end? how is Pokemon Snap? Because I mean, I I Ooh. I played the original once or twice on a very bad TV that I could barely see anything on. The colors were all out of whack. So my my memories of Pokemon Snap are meh at yeah. best. Yeah. So how can I describe it? So Pokemon Snap, the first one came out in '99. Um, for the 64. Um, it just sounds like I'm listing off numbers, but uh, to put that into perspective, that is about 22 years ago. Um, <laughs> it was it was really difficult to play back then, because on the 64, you know, it's the, that's such a non-ergonomic controller. Like, <laughs> it, had, it, was a, it was a McDonald's M with buttons on it, okay? So <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the most comfortable fitting controller how did you ever Um, design a controller that wonky i don't i don't know man they nintendo v nintendo um but it was fun for me because like i liked the concept of not having to beat up pokemon to enjoy them Mm -hmm. um and now i do it for a living (laughs) like i have fun playing competitive um and playing in tournaments for that but right now like i feel like the change is there's a lot of the the first Pokemon Snap only had the first generation of Pokemon, so the first 150, mm-hmm. and it didn't even have the whole decks, which makes sense. But now that we're in, you know, we're 22 years down the line, we have 800 plus Pokemon now, so there's a lot more things that can go on in an environment, and there's a lot of like little Easter eggs, which I I enjoy about the game, like. There's different paths that you can take. Uh, you can feed Pokemon and they do different things. So um, I like I like Pokemon Snap a lot, but that's just because I like the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the concept of it. Um, but now that we have, you know, first of all, better graphics. We have, you know, the, the Switch Pro controller is a lot easier to navigate than the Nintendo 64 controller. Um, if you want to get really crazy... <laughs> Um, they do have motion sensors in it if you play it in handheld mode. So mm-hmm. you can swing your body around, which is really fun to do in a spinny chair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is also an arm workout because you actually have to like lift your your switch up to get like upward shots and stuff like that. But I would recommend playing it if you enjoy taking photos. Like it's actually mm-hmm. a really solid photography game. Um, you get to figure out what what focus you want on it like let's say if there's a pokemon in the background that you wanted to actually get in shot versus the one that's in your foreground uh you can tweak photos you can post it online they have like an in they have like a nintendo network thing where you can like it's like twitter but for pokemon snap so you could like (laughs) send out your pictures and people will be like oh that's that's cool or that's weird um but yeah there's a lot that you can do in game and if you enjoy the concept of just a chill Pokemon game where you get to take photos of cute Pokemon, uh, definitely go for it. It is it is a fun game in that that regard. I heard that there's an issue of just it's the Pokemon are always showing their butts. 
Oh, well, that's uh that's if you don't get them to look at you. That's that's <laughs> their fault. Uh there's um it, in order to prevent that, first thing you do is you throw you throw a fruit at them, right? Uh and then you let them come to the fruit and you throw it ahead of you. Um the reason for that is when the cart is going that direction, you just look behind you and then they're facing you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that there's a scan button in game that if you hit it, sometimes Pokemon will just turn and look at you. It's kind of like a they call it the say cheese button, um, which it kind of works that way. Some Pokemon will re- respond to it differently, but uh, that's another one to like get Pokemon to look over at you. I don't know if I'm going to get it. Like I don't ha- I don't have that nostalgia factor, but it's yeah. glad to see that there's more than just Pokemon battle slaving out there. Yeah, it, it's definitely like if, if you're looking for a chill game and you still enjoy Pokemon, I would highly recommend Pokemon Snap. Um, and another thing is like a lot of people say, oh, the courses get repetitive and redundant, which is something that was really a big problem in the first Pokemon Snap. Um, but now they have like different levels to each um, to each Pokemon Snap course. So, like, level 1 has very minimal Pokemon, and then level 2 has slightly more Pokemon, and then level 3 has, like, every Pokemon doing things. And depending on the way how you interact with the environment, each Pokemon will do something different. So you just have to pick and choose how you want to get your shots and your photos. Do you think that, I mean, the game is it seems to be doing fairly well. Do you think it would have had um, as much success as it did without the nostalgia factor or or is it like is it solid enough to stand on its own or is it because us old folks are like oh my god i remember this game um i feel like it i feel like it would have done well um if even if there wasn't a pokemon snap one um just because like the photos are pretty like mm-hmm. it, it's the first one besides like pokemon art camp or something like that that like really focuses on like um like an art specific focus um which this one is like putting pokemon in the middle of the frame for photography reasons and uh you have like snapchat filters and stuff like that on it as well so there's there's a lot of fun things that you can do in there um i think that it's it's just a fun game in general for snapping photos so i feel like if 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 you have a friend who who wants to take like nature photography, just be like, okay, here's this. You can have this during the Rona moments. Yeah, how how about you? How how's everything going on your end? It's been very busy. I mean, like I was there. I just I had a lot of work last week to catch up on, and then I finished all that, and I was like, okay, it's gonna be an easy week. And then one day on Monday is like, hey, here's more work to do. And I'm like, oh, okay, this throws a monkey wrench in all the plans that I had. So, like, I, I was planning on watching all of the knockout rounds for the May Melee. Mm-hmm. I got through most of them. I got the only thing I didn't watch is the Dragons versus the uh, the Fusion. I got through two maps of that. I did not have time to finish the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, this that, that's been my week. Um I have not had time really to do anything except working as such. Like I've been meaning to, um, to, to download dead by daylight and finally play that. Cause I believe it was free at one point on PlayStation. I'd have to go check and 
and see. Um, but the reason I want to play it is because Crypt TV has a crossover with them right now. Um, and I've been a fan of Crypt TV forever. It's what actually finally got me into like being a horror fan. Um, I've done interviews with Jack Davis, who's the founder of Crypt TV. Um, he, at one point, um, fun story. So I ordered a shirt from Crypt TV and they, I was dumb and I didn't change the size. So I ordered the wrong size. So I'm like, hey, can I return this and get the proper size? And they're like, no, we'll just, we'll just send it to you. Um, and then my, I gave the other one to my brother and he was walking around Westwood one day and this guy is like calling my name thinking it's my brother because I ordered the shirt and it was Jack Davis. So um, yeah, that'd be, that, that was, that's a, that's my history with Crypt TV. I really like them. They have a lot of really great content. The Birch is really great on Facebook watch as well. I mean, with the, with the collab with dead by daylight, if we wanted to, if it doesn't, it has nothing to do with overwatch at all. But like a, as a fun, I guess, video game content crossover, I could reach out to Jack and see if he'd be down to talk to us on our podcast, our silly tiny podcast um, that we love so much. But there's been that. Um, aside from that, I have just been like nonstop texting the girl I met on Tinder because we are we are getting closer, I would think. So, yeah, progress, progress. There's progress there. Um but yeah, yeah, dating in the uh, the Rona age is very strange. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, another thing that I I can mention, uh, we have my co-caster for both Valorant um, events that I've been doing um, is actually a student currently who goes to the University of Hawaii. Um, so the cool thing about that is he's actually on. Project Aloha. So if I can get his contacts and bring him in, I will I want to contact him after the event, obviously after the May yeah, Melee tournament. After we see everything um, that's gone down. Yeah, so so he doesn't freak out or you know has to pop in here. But um he's been live streaming a couple of the events um of like, for example, like the teams arriving, um, and you know, the facility that they're willing to to go through and everything um but he's been he's been on lock about this for the, for the longest time he told me probably like a little bit ago and he's like i'm very excited about this i'm so glad that i finally get to announce this so um it's it's really cool that like you know we we know somebody who's working currently on project aloha and um he's willing to come on and talk with us uh if we want to go and get him Oh heck yeah, that's gonna be so cool. Honestly, though, like you, you could pick so many worse places to have an esports tournament than freaking Hawaii. I mean, it's Hawaii. Like everyone wants to visit Hawaii. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty landscape. The weather's relatively nice. Like there, there's. I don't think I've ever been to Hawaii where like it was like intolerable, right? Like maybe. Obviously, it's going to rain every once in a while, but like in terms of being like super frigid or super like boiling hot, like it's always at a solid temperature. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how the flow of the event goes. Um, but he is willing to chat with us. Yeah, that should be fun. I, I look forward to that. Um, but yeah, let's. Let's get into the news then, shall we? Uh, 
let's see, where's my news page? Here is my news page. Okay. Um, so let's let's start with the the non-specific to Overwatch things and then and then like a fine mesh sieve or a funnel get down to the specifics. Um so we, we've been talking about about the Pokemon cards and stuff. Um and I think Kevin, I don't know if if Yu-Gi-Oh has had the same ever had the same kind of um big popularity or 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 thing with their cards that Pokemon's having right now. But I, I know from this article that I read from Polygon that Magic the Gathering has had something at one point, but like Pokemon cards are going through a huge bubble right now, a huge speculation bubble and whatnot. And like there's been huge demand to the point where like people are camping out outside of targets for the days that they stock their Pokemon cards. Um, they're limiting the amount of purchases that you have. Like there's two targets where I live. Um, one of them, it's, it's three items per person. The other target is one item per person. Um, you can just cheat that by either going to the, the self-checkout or just walking out and coming back in. Um, I did it last week. <laughs> um, but so th- there's a huge speculation that it's getting to the point where like some targets are like calling the police whenever things get too rowdy because people want these cards. Um, but there's this huge market speculation in boom where people are selling these really valuable cards. They're, they're buying up packs because they want to get these, like, I think one, the, the latest Charizard card is like $800 last time I checked. If it's, um, the full art hollow, it's like, yeah, it's, it's something ridiculous like that. Um, and it's also getting to the point where the grading companies like CGC are so backed up to the point where it's, that they can't really handle the volume of cars that they're getting into grade um i i like i'm gonna get stuff graded not cards i have, I have two comics i want to get graded fairly soon um i think i'm gonna send them in to get graded or signed and graded um this saturday so i think it's taking for comics it's taking like four months to get stuff back cards it's taking even longer um but but kevin you come from the trading card game world Mm-hmm. What are your and like I, I know you said you're not really into the Pokemon card game, but you are just into Pokemon. So y- your perspective on this, because I have a perspective on this, but this is just coming from the oh, they're cool. I like them. I'm just gonna buy them now that I have disposable income and my siblings are have a reason to hang out with me now. <laughs> yeah. Um it definitely happens on occasion, especially like if there's a set, especially with something that's that's a must pick up in order to win games or like win tournaments. Uh, we know that some people will just buy everything um, and buy everything immediately, you know? Yeah. You um, about like the streamers who are just buying the packs to shred them. Yeah. So that's at least right now, that's a popular thing. It's just like unboxing and just watching things, uh, watching people unbox as well as like collectors in general. Um, it's it's a fun thing to watch it it's how can i say it when you watch an unboxing video you're watching somebody else get the cards and get like the monetary value out of it but like you as a person as a spectator you still get that secondary feeling of like the suspense of not knowing it's like treading open loot boxes right you you never know what's in them but it's the excitement of oh what what what's in the what's in the box Uh, i hope it's not frosted flakes you know, like just uh, like just stuff like that, where it it's fun in that matter, um, but 
yeah, I, I understand how crazy, especially with Rona, right? Like, in order to get physical copies of cards, you have to go out and get them or order like a bunch of them in bulk, right? Um, and it's easier. I, I feel like it was easier for Yu-Gi-Oh players to just go online and get like a box or two from there because um, they're willing to ship those out quite easily. But we understand like with the popularity of Pokemon cards now, they're, they're starting to climb uh, even higher in popularity um, that, yeah, it would stock up the people who have to go back and grade all that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, not only the grading process, but probably also, you know, the, the manufacturers, the people who are actually creating the cards have to come up with, you know, demand and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or they start doing what Yu-Gi-Oh does, and that's just like, we're only releasing X amount, right? <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. And then you just have people fighting for them. As long as it doesn't turn into, like, you know, the shoe game, right? Where people will, I mean, it's already starting to get to that point, but like people are camping outside of stores um, trying to just get a box. Um, as long as they don't do the thing where they like keep it and then they hoard it and then, you know, they're like, oh, we'll sell the box like later down the line. We'll just never open it. I never mean, know what's what in are, it. They are doing that, I think. Uh, okay, as long as like... To that point. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like taking away the enjoyment of them in general um i understand like just keeping the box um and trying to like cash in on it later but at the same time like competitors might want the box now in order to compete in said tournaments so um it really does come down to to that um as well so if it's it's an interesting like it's an interesting balance of like knowing that this is a this is a collectible card game like there's a lot of people who are just here for the cool art but there's also people here for the actual competitive aspect of pokemon cards mm-hmm. um and that's always a duality that i i see um both with Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon it was like some people like to just collect one archetype um and then on the other side like there's the people who collect to get every card um, for a collection, or there's people who want it for the competitive aspect. So, really interesting to see how these play out later down the line, and if you know, if if there are going to be more issues uh, coming up with Pokemon cards and collectible card games in general, um, or if there's any other collectible card game who might try to, you know, steal some thunder here. As far as I understand, this mostly started with like the McDonald's stuff when they, when they were celebrating the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, like they, they had those really cool Pokemon card packs that everyone was trying to get. It got, it got really out of hand. Um, This is why we can't have nice things because uh, adults were like just buying them up in mass. They were either um, not buying the food and just buying the, the card packs, trying to get as many as they could and trying to get all the ones they wanted or they were when when the McDonald's said you had to buy the food, you couldn't just buy the cards. They would just buy so many um, Happy Meals and then just throw the food out. And it was ridiculous and absolutely wasteful. And if you did this, I I, I don't respect you. Um, and then I also heard that like to hate him. Jake Paul was like going was, was did a video where he was going through his his old Pokemon cards, and that started. A separate Pokemon card craze because 
for some reason, people watch that asshole. So uh, you can tell that I, I don't respect Jake Paul or if people who like him. Um, but yeah, I mean, has, has Yu-Gi-Oh! Ever, and, and to your experience, well, as long as you've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh!, has it ever happened with Yu-Gi-Oh cards where it's it's been at this level? Uh, I don't think there's ever been a level of... Well, okay, wait, hang on. Before I eat my words. Uh, there was a Pokemon... There was a McDonald's promotion a while ago, but it was never to the point where, like, people would just buy the thing just to throw out the food and be wasteful in that fact. Um, I don't know in any Yu-Gi-Oh stance that there was ever anything this crazy besides like certain regional events where there was like stealing and like theft happening all the time um at bigger events so that's the reason why we once again we can't have nice things there's a lot of local card shops that gave up on having tournaments because of stealing and looting and stuff like that um so yeah we we could expect uh a lot of other stores not holding tournaments but I don't see, I don't see as a card seller, like you would, you would ever give up on buying Pokemon cards and trying to sell those. You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the cap would have to be. You know, in terms of um, selling it to to other people. You know, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like to sell the cards to like. People, I know that at Target, right, they have a limit. They have a limit of like, I think it's two items. It depends. I've seen where I've been, it's three and one. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, do you start limiting them even more? Does like, I know Target wants to, you know, if, you, if you're Target, you want to sell them. Um, yeah. Do you, do you just do it through orders? Do you just do it through like, uh, if people order, like x x y or z and then it's just a pickup factor like you don't sell them in front of you know the actual like at the store because you might have people fight each other uh we don't we don't, we don't want that uh unless no but for, for real uh we don't want anybody getting hurt over pokemon cards so really i understand it for the fact that it's uh it's a collectible card game. A lot of people want to watch these things happen. Um, watch people collect cards, sell cards, you know, have all that fun stuff. Um, I just don't know how uh, stores and especially the poor grader people uh, <laughs> have to have to deal with the aftermath of this. I mean, it's probably it, everything is good for business. There, there, there's a demand for their service now. So, yeah, this, they're getting work. Is there? Uh, does that mean there's openings? Do they need, do I mean, they need yeah, people to I, look I've at corners that, and stuff like I've that? I've heard that CGC and all these companies are are like as fast as they can trying to hire people. So if, yeah, you, if you need work and you 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 have time to train and learn how to do it, I feel I feel like this is a, an opportunity. Yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of really cool, like there. I know that it's really good for content mm -hmm. and. That's probably the reason why a lot of people are buying them. Um, content wise, you know, unboxings plus like I used to do uh, before. Yeah, for Overwatch, um, I used to do Overwatch and Yu-Gi-Oh together. So it was if I win a comp game, I open a pack. Right. Um, uh -huh. And you 
like the packs, like the boxes that I used to get come with like 36 packs or something like that. So it's something that you could add incentive to games um, in that factor. So, um, you know, maybe maybe I just have to switch games or something <laughs> like that. But honestly, it's just a really fun thing to do in between. Plus, um, I, I, this is a this is a streamer tip. Uh, if if you guys are streamers and you collect card games, card stuff, um, if you ever get to the point where you're an affiliate, um, save the cards that you open on stream, and whenever a sub comes to you, whenever a sub like you, you get a subscriber, right? Um, you could ask them if they want any of the cards that you don't want to keep. Um, put that you put that in a hard sleeve. You mail it to them. You could sign the sleeve itself. Some people might even want you to sign the card itself. Um, it's happened before. Um, and yeah, they get to keep a piece of the stream. They got to see you open that, and that's now theirs. Um, it's cheap. You also get rid of some of the cards that you don't want. Plus, they get to keep something physical. So um, it, it's really cool um, in that fact. Yeah. So last thing. So the the current pack of cards the the card that i really want is there's a there's a shiny entei and entei is my favorite pokemon and like the way it's been with me and my siblings like me and my sister happen to always get the really good cards my brother doesn't get anything um he happened to get the the shiny entei and like i can't i can't be mad about that because he finally got something good but just i want the goddamn entei now (laughs) I, I feel that like when some one of your close friends or you know relative opens a good card, you're just like, okay, that's yeah. cool, <laughs> yay. <laughs> um, but the thing yeah. is, when you were joking. It's like, oh, what if I open this pack and it happens to be that Entei? And sure enough, it happened. Yeah, it. it, it now, now you just got to make sure that he keeps that protected for for a <laughs> lifetime. It becomes a family heirloom and passes it down for generations. You know be like that that little girl in the movie whose dad turns into Entei. Yeah, that that was that was that was a weird movie. <laughs> it's not even real Entei. It's it's illusion Entei created by the goddamn unknowns. Yeah, it's not, it, we need a real Entei movie. Anyway, moving on. Um I'm surprised this hasn't happened sooner. Um considering where video games mostly come from um tokyo is getting their very first esports gym which is partially sponsored by the tokyo metro go figure um but yeah they're getting their very first esports gym uh from the stories i read it's fairly small um you it's only 12 computers i believe you can sign up for three hour slots they're roughly 13 dollars for that for every single um I'm not sure if it's slot or hour that you sign up for, um, or it's $50 per month. If you get a membership, um, $25 per hour extra, if you want to be coached during your sessions. Um, I'm not sure that 12 computers is going to be enough for this. I feel like they, I I'm guessing that this is probably just like a flagship. And if it does well, they're going to expand. Um, especially given that like the current estimates are that, there's going to be $1 billion generated by esports by the end of 2021, just throughout the industry. Um, I'm guessing there's going to be such a huge demand for it that. Like you're spending $50 monthly to get uh, to, to be able to use this esports gym, but 
are you ever actually going to be able to get in with only 12 computers there? Yeah, I, I understand that this is actually kind of up there. Like, this is per person. It's not like a per team thing. Um, but yeah, it it's a cool concept. I like the concept of it. Um, I do think that this is a flagship. I think that this is just like to start off, maybe get a couple of promotional events going where you have, you know, Japanese talent coming in. And the next half of this, I feel like this, this is the important piece now, um, is being able to stream from there if you wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not only for VOD review's sake, because that's also important, but also like let's say if you wanted to run a small tournament out of it right um you can have the 12 pc setup you can have people come in um play your games you know stream it out live to said like channel let's say if it's like tokyo esports gym right uh, that's what they want to call it um like their specific uh twitch channel and then people can peek at what's going on there you know um it's really interesting as a concept. Um, I do feel like after Rona, after you know everybody's done quarantining, or you know this just becomes a norm where we have um, like safe spaces that we could all play in. Uh, mm-hmm. This could definitely expand out. I could I can see this having like I don't want to say it becoming the next. Um, I mean, it'd be really cool actually if they took over an old arcade. Um, arcades in Japan are anywhere between four and six floors each. Um, and then you just have one floor each for each type of like, uh, esport where you can have like, okay, so this floor is all, um, this floor is all like League of Legends. The next one is all Valorant. The next one is all Overwatch, right? And then it just rotates per day, depending on who wants to come in and who wants to play, you know? Um, and I feel like that's a, that's a really cool thing to to bring up and at least try in Tokyo. Um it's it's a very busy city. Um and the other half of that is going to be once again competing with arcades because Japan has a very rich arcade culture where it's like it's almost like an after school hangout spot or yeah. You know, if you're not down to go and play pachinko every night after work, you could hit up the arcades and maybe play you know, some games here and there. Um, is, is the culture still very strong? Because like, I know, like, arcade culture died in America. Yeah, it, it dipped really hard in, in the U.S. Like, um, but in Japan, it it pops off. Like, I went over there, I think 2016 was the last time I was in Japan. Um, but it was really, it was a really cool experience. Like, um, we went to Shinjuku, which is kind of in the middle of like Tokyo area. Um, but we would, you would think that like, okay, it's a busy city, you know, they're, they're always up. Um, a lot of things in Shinjuku don't start until like eight o'clock PM. Mm-hmm. So like, that's when the arcades are like bustling. There's a bunch of people upstairs. There's a bunch of people, you know, playing pachinko. Like people are out drinking until like two in the morning. <laughs> like it's just a normal thing. Um, but yeah, arcades were really big. And I don't know how they're surviving, obviously. Like, during Rona, maybe a couple of them closed down. But um, I still think that 
that culture is really important. It's something that a lot of people bond over and hang out over, you know? I know we have some, like, they're, they're starting to open up in the U.S. I, I saw one story, I believe, years ago where there was a, a, a mall, I think it might have been the Mall of America, that decided, oh, we want an esports gym here. But, like, it's been fairly quiet on that front since how how long until it comes to us and we we start seeing more of these out here do you think um i mean we had the esports arena phase or like they started to try to do pop-ups um i i have a lot of criticism for it i went to the esports arena in oakland Mm. um a couple of times i just feel like there wasn't enough events to keep them afloat um and also not only events but also just like they they rented out like a warehouse right um they have a bunch of pcs out there but there's nothing to like make you feel like you're you're working or like that that's really inviting you in to play um other than the fact that like what what can i do at the esports arena that i can't do at home right already yeah um and like if if it was like oh they ran tournaments every weekend or like and then during the weekdays they had like after school programs right to like they keep it low cost they have you know kids there um playing any kind of game that they want to and just kind of keeping it kind of like a manageable arcade in a way but um just allowing kids to experience games like that um would be really cool for them um but they didn't really cash in on that and they were kind of hoping that they can get bigger events and they did have like um they had specific training rooms for i remember the golden guardians were really big that's the league of legends team that's owned by uh that's owned by the golden state warriors so they had their training facility in that esports arena but it's really not a place that is open to a lot of a lot of players it didn't feel like it was a thing that could bring people together often Mm -hmm. um, enough for them to stay afloat. So um, I feel like if I've been discussing this with like a a friend of mine, like hypothetically, like down the road, if we were to open up like an esports thing, um, how would we run it? And I feel like there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I, I know that a lot of, you know, really smart people, smarter than me and probably my friend as well. But yeah, you just got to be able to make sure that the esports wave. I know that our generation is getting older and more invested, so I feel like that's helping. Um, but yeah, it will come down to how well does this take off? You know, how well can you keep a building together and offer something that people don't have at home? Um, in you know an esports gym or arena um for the esports gym the the smart thing though that i like is the coaching i feel like that's going to be very very helpful and also an incentive um especially if you really want to take your skill to the next level having a coach over your shoulder is really important uh that's coming from a person who was not only you know a player who had a really good coach but also as a coach um, later down the line it's really 
it's really cool to have somebody who is willing to help you focus on what what you want to do um and get to where you want to go so um really cool opportunity coming out from them speaking of, of japan this is another funny story um nintendo doesn't want partner publishers to be involved with the yakuza um i did i did not expect to see this at all when i was perusing the internets but apparently nintendo is, is fairly serious about this topic uh the yakuza of course being the um the 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 japanese mafia correct kevin that's the that's the mm-hmm. proper term for for the yakuza yeah um it's kind of an interesting thing though like there there's a very interesting like yeah it's how can i say it the the term mafia in terms of like in the u.s you think of like al capone and like you know the the gangsters who would shoot up people in the streets for not giving them their money right um the the yakuza are kind of like a secondary like unguarded police force if you want to think about it in that way Hmm. they come off as thugs but they're also like they also make a lot of money and are willing to do a lot of good things for the community it's kind of weird it's a very weird balance i mean this this, you see this throughout history it's like the uh the crime lords are the ones the, the reason why people part of why people are so infatuated about crime lords is because like one on one hand it's it's the one man against the system narrative that everyone loves. It's like they're, they're beating the system. They're fighting back authority and everyone loves like a good underdog story. Um, but it's also that, like you said, that these, these crime Lords, a lot of the time are helping the communities way more than any police force or government could like Al Capone. You mentioned he, he had soup kitchens back in the wild West. Like a lot of the, these, gangster robber uh outlaws would would help people in need it's they, they they're amazing at community relations but i do understand that like nintendo really focuses in on that family console thing like that's they want to be a family brand right so i i understand if they're like we don't want to partner with the yakuza just to be safe you know just don't don't like get in their way um but yeah it it's something that they don't want their image to be hurt by it so um i i do understand what they're what they're thinking this is that was just a a fun story that i saw um so now getting into the more the more overwatchy part of of this podcast so um Blizzard has reported that they're down 2 million players and down 29% over the past three years, but Overwatch has increased by 10 million users since 2019. So in in the past year, um, that increased. So part of the reason that in, in the analysis that I've seen for why these numbers are the way they are, part of what might be for Blizzard is because um, there's been a, there has been a lot of controversy from Blizzard over the past three years, like you, you have a lot of the layoffs they've been doing, a lot of the boycotts with um, uh, Hong Kong, a lot of, of 
stuff there. They also haven't come out with a new game since 2016. A lot of people are upset that like nothing new has come out for Overwatch 2. Um, also, you've got other games like Fortnite, Warzone, Apex that are maybe taking users away from them. Um, so that might be why Blizzard's numbers are down. The reason why Overwatch's numbers may be up is because it's not sure whether these numbers are including all of the the users that were added on the free-to-play weekends, whether this is including all the numbers when they did their, their giveaway, a, a copy of Overwatch on PC stunt, whether this is including people making Smurf accounts or not. Um, so the, there is there are to be caveats taken with these numbers. Like if we could very well see those numbers for Blizzard shoot up when in the next hundred year span of time, whenever they decide to release Overwatch 2. And I, I guarantee that when that happens, Overwatch's numbers are going to shoot up as well. And um, I don't know if they'll reach like the hundred million mark that Call of Duty has, but I, I think we'll see a, a respectable increase when uh, when that does happen or whenever um, Diablo 4 comes out. We're probably going to see a huge increase there because everyone loves Diablo. You know, there's been a lot that has gone on um, in the company. And I, I don't know, once again, like, this probably doesn't even count the fact after Jeff left, if this means anything, too. Um, but, yeah, I feel like there's still, you know, a couple, two million players. I feel like you're losing players now, but we're we're all waiting on the next thing that Blizzard is is ready to drop on us, right? Like we we were waiting on we're waiting on Overwatch 2. We're waiting on Diablo 4. We're waiting on a bunch of things to come out. So um I feel like this number is down right now, but uh I I, I think Blizzard's gonna be okay. Yeah, I mean they've survived for this long. I think they'll be fine. It's just numbers. You're interesting sometimes. Um so another another thing is that uh, speaking of controversies, there has been another controversy over the Taiwan and Hong Kong stuff. So our lovely married man Meta leader Sebiolbi, uh, he's been in some hot water over some comments he made. So um, he was he, he used to stream, I guess, on the the Chinese platform Douyu or Douyu or let me see, I should get this I think right. Douyu. Douyu. Okay, so uh, Sebi will be streaming on this platform, Douyu. He, he said that he felt restricted because he couldn't say, I mean, like it's China's media is very um, restricted. There's, there's a lot of rules to what you can and cannot do. But so he, he said that he felt like he couldn't say the words uh, Hong Kong or Taiwan and that China doesn't recognize them, and it felt restrictive, and he didn't like it. Um, the Chinese Overwatch teams, the Shanghai Dragons, the Chengdu Hunters, the uh, Hangzhou Spark, and the Gongzhou Charge caught wind of this, and they are enacting what appears to be a, a full boycott on Sebiolbi specifically, not the um, Seoul Dynasty. So what they're saying is that whatever, whenever SBB is playing on stage, the, these teams will not be. Um, and even though Sabiolbi did release a written apology saying like 
I shouldn't have said this. I recognize that this was controversial. Uh, the the teams have still decided not to accept it. I know specifically the um, general manager for the Dragons, Yang uh, Yang Van said it's it's not good enough. This apology, it, it's just a form apology, and that he feels that, and like this goes to contradiction to what we believe on this podcast. He said that esports is not a place for political statements. It's not a political platform. Um, I my my feelings on this are China. China's got way too much sway over everything just because they have so much money. Um, and of course, Blizzard's going to bow to China because. Uh, they, they have so much market there. It's like Hollywood is always, at this point, Hollywood is also beholden to China because that market is so huge. So they make changes to media all the time. There's always like Chinese in films are portrayed as heroes. And, and that's not to say that the Chinese people aren't great. Like I have several Chinese friends and it, having positive representation of Asians in media is always a good thing. But to the point where like, you have to you always have to make sure that china's happy with everything um where does it stop will it stop yeah and the, this is a huge like question mark for a lot of us like at least over on our side like in terms of the state's mentality of you know freedom of speech as well as being able to voice your opinion uh like I feel like this is okay, um, by Sabiel, but you know he's using his platform to to make his voice heard. And this, the real question is, if let's say NYXL bring Sabiel in, right? And these Chinese teams are like, okay, we're boycotting, you know, the game, right? Um, does that mean that? you know, this will boost their record. Uh, consider this. Like, you don't want to play a map three. You, you're, you're, you're down 1-0, right? You sub in Sabiobe. Is your team just going to GG out of there? Like, you just say, okay, oh we're not going to play, right? Like, there's no reason for this to be a thing, right? Like, if anything, you want to play them even harder. Mm -hmm. So them saying, oh, we are going to, you know, boycott this game, or like these games because you're running a certain player, just, just use that to your advantage. I mean, that's <laughs> that's their bad. <laughs> and, NYXL, and, just keep it keep it flowing. And also by by the uh, the the dragons and all these teams saying that they're not going to play when SBB is on stage. Aren't they also making political statements themselves? Yeah. So, of course, they're not going to going to say going to recognize this or, or or admit to it. But this is so hypocritical because you're like, oh, you're not you shouldn't be making a political statement on your sports platform while they're also making a political statement with their sports platform. It's. Uh, they they have so much power, all of these teams, and, and no no one's gonna break ranks for them. They're all gonna they're all gonna do this stuff together because, I, united front and in China and and whatnot. But literally, if one team wants to do something, 
you're dictating the outcome of the entire league. Yeah, and I mean, if anything, this only hurts the way how Chinese teams are going to be looked at in terms of the entirety of the league. I mean, we already hate the the Valiant. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, they're already one team that we have to hate, but I mean, I don't, I, I understand that, like, some of the Chinese teams might be mad at what SBB said, but at the same time, you're competitors. You want to play. It, it's not like you, you have to walk away from the game every single time, because honestly, at that point, you just let, like, if you are the Seoul Dynasty, right, you want to win every single time that you're on stage, right? You just start winning and then you just don't let the Chinese teams play. Because if they're going to boycott the events, that's a free win. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, a win's a win. And by him saying one thing, standing behind his statement, um, and also, like, all of that if you're just if you're going to still be hurt by you know one player's actions i don't think that you have a chance in the league because if you if you're going to keep backing out of games then i mean if, if they start winning and they start backing out of games right completely like this guy is just going to just roll the entire tournament i uh the only team that could fight him now is essentially like the Philly Fusion, right? Mm. Yeah. So it, I feel like that's one thing that's going to be really interesting to see. Like later down the line, like I just hope that I hope that this doesn't scale later on, and we start hearing you know all the Chinese teams like pressuring the league to get SBB out of here. Because first of all, I, I love the man. I love his play. Um, I love what he brings to the teams that he's he's been on over the course of the years, and most importantly, he's an icon. Like he's he's one of the oh, yeah. one of the great like original Korean players that ever graced the stage. So it's really important to to keep your stars happy, right? So I just want I want to see how this escalates, um, and if we ever get to a point where you know either the Shanghai Dragons, the Hunters. The spark or the charge decide to not take a, not take a game, um, and also the the valiant. But like, <laughs> I almost forgot about them. I don't uh, think the valiant are included in this list though. I, I I haven't seen anything about them. Yeah, they're saying that they're not in here, which is kind of weird. Essentially, I want I want to see good games. Okay, I don't want like half the league to just back out because SBB is in, right? Uh, mm-hmm. remember you're in a league to compete, like. You can hate one player in in a game, but at the end of the day, we're here for good games. And if you're not going to provide that, then why why even have a team? What would be interesting to see is if is if the the dynasty do decide to do to do the the force them to quit strategy with SPB, and if it keeps happening, do do the Korean teams just be like, okay, this is happening, so we're just not going to be in the Overwatch League anymore. At that point, I feel like the Chinese team's flexing is gonna SBB's is kind of dead in the water at that point. And then 
that brings up the whole issue of how much power do these teams have and is is the league going to buckle to to China which I think at that point they they would have to just because of the money and, and losing those four teams in the APAC region yeah and if you lose those teams right you're going to also lose their fan bases which is really big so it becomes a matter of you know the money versus the fans uh if you kick out for example like if you kicked out the the soul dynasty completely um you know the the other teams that are in apac right now is what the uh nyxl the philly fusion and the valiant right um if you were to go the other way and just say like okay we're straight up banning these teams from playing anymore you lose out on the korean scene Mm -hmm. um and that is where overwatch like besides the u.s um that is kind of where the best talent came from right um and saying that you're boycotting your best talent is not the greatest feeling in the world like yeah, they can go over to the U.S. and play for, you know, an NA team, but like, that's not what they represent, right? They they want a team that they could represent at home. Um, it's like playing for your hometown team. It's really important. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see if, how that plays out. And honestly, I hope that it doesn't get to that point. I hope that we could all just chill. Um, that's asking and, a lot. It, I know, right? But um, we'll we'll see. So speaking of, of players being canceled, this is, our, our news has flowed very well together this week. It's got a nice flow and, and segue into each other. Um, speaking of that, um, XQC has been, been talking again. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know how I feel about this comment specifically, um, but I guess he was, he was talking some smack again and then people were not happy and he's like, you can't cancel me. You can never cancel me. Cancel culture doesn't exist. The only way I'll ever be canceled is if I get deplatformed. And we know that that's not going to happen. Um, so, on, on one hand, I agree that quote unquote cancel culture I don't believe exists. I think it's it's accountability culture. Like people have always had problems with a lot of these things. It's just it's only now that they have the agency power and social um, momentum to actually address a lot of these grievances. But on the other hand, like XQC is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason we don't like XQC is because he said some pretty racist stuff, right? He, he, he said things that are not socially acceptable. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. It, about like, and feel about him. Because the thing is like, I can't deny that he has, he has talent he has an audience. He's one of the world's biggest names and, and personalities in gaming and esports. But again, it goes to this thing of like, he said stuff that he's never, I mean, he, he has been, he, he's gotten his slap on the wrist from the league. And I, he, he did get kicked, booted out for, for the stuff he said and done. But I mean, the league has brought him back for so many events 
that it feels kind of just like a slap on the wrist and there's not really a lasting consequence for that kind of stuff. And there really is no accountability in the world of like streaming and esports anymore. I mean, look at look at PewDiePie. He says that he says the N-word every five minutes and then pretends to be sorry about it. And then he's back on his stuff and no one no one bats an eye anymore. Or like Jake Paul, who who does his horrific suicide video and pretends that, oh, I'm so sad. Let me talk to some people who try to commit suicide. And then he's back on being a terrible human being all over again. Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about streaming culture when this kind of, of behavior is allowed to continue. And on the one hand, while I agree with, uh, XQC that it, there's no, there's no, it's not cancel culture. I do think that maybe they're, they're kind there kind of should be that canceling for certain people. Yeah. I feel like there's some people who like, you know, if you do wrong, you should be called out on it. Um, it's all about being able to, to change, you know, um, being able to learn from your mistakes and grow as a human, right? We don't, we don't want people to just be like, Oh, you're bad that's it right the end story right you just no more no more you uh i i feel like i'm I'm more invested in the character development of people and saying like okay if you learn from what you did wrong right like you could get called out by a bunch of people as long as you're willing to change and acknowledge that what you did was incorrect and are willing to adjust to make those changes right um I feel like people can give, you know, other people a chance again. Um, but to say like, oh, I'm immune, right? Uh, you're you're not. You're not. You're nowhere close to immune. Um, no one is immune. We we've seen like a bunch of people get canceled completely, and they obviously haven't returned. Like they can make formal apologies and whatever, but it's just a matter of how well you know, they work on themselves and if they could ever come back and get to that point. Right. Um, so I feel like if by XQC saying, Oh, I'm, I'm impervious to cancel culture. Right. Um, I feel like that's almost a bet. (laughs) Like a lot of people are going to be like, all right. Yeah. Temp fate. We'll see what happens. Right. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of down to see what happens. Obviously like if, if he's trying to do something to get himself banned almost and say like, Oh, I am, I'm impervious. Right. Um, I, I don't think he's going to survive. Um, I understand like there are some diehard fans who, who love him for his content, his rapid fire talking, which, you know, requires encryption. Um, and you know, just his straight, like insane personality and, uh, you know, just antics in general. But I don't know if he has changed as a person enough for him to not be the same person anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. So but what I'm saying is, is XQC still the same person who got the the fine for flaming Muma, right? 
I don't think I don't think he's changed. I honestly don't think he's changed at all. Mm-hmm. So I feel like at that point we just have to we have to talk about that. Um if if you are going to get to the point where uh like you are going to get canceled, you have to be able to accept what has happened and uh become a better person. If it takes time, you know, it is going to take time. You can't just say like, "Oh, I'm sorry" and just be right back at it again like a lot of people are. Right? Um I feel like you have to take your time and figure out how you're going to go about it. At least pretend that you're remorseful for the cameras. Yeah, just pretend. Or eventually accept what that is, you know? That would be the ideal. That would be what we would prefer. Yeah. So anything else news-wise that we missed, Kevin? Um, news-wise, I, I mean, I just saw, I just saw recently that Fran, uh, Fran, uh, just, uh, unboxed some Pokemon cards oh. <laughs> as, as a nice, uh, a nice good way of, uh, putting things together. Um, but honestly, the, um, the league is going to be a lot of fun, uh, coming up. You know, we, we had the, we're, we're getting into the first tournament. Um, and, Overall, I think that you know there's going to be it's going to be more gaming news uh, coming around the corner. You know, a lot of people are talking about tournaments. Um, v Flight, if he if you're listening, uh, have fun in Iceland. He is uh, he's currently there for the Valorant uh, observing thing. It was um what is it? The Iceland they have they have a finals right now that they're bringing a bunch of people from all over the world to go and play. So Ooh, and V Flight got picked. Oh, we should we need we gotta bring him in to talk about that. Yeah, he, he's gonna be there for a while though. Like it it's <sighs> not like a it's not a short thing. He's there for like a month. Oh um he dang. left like two weeks ago or like a week ago because okay, so he told me about the quarantine process um in Iceland. So it was really interesting to hear this. So um when you land, uh they figure they give you a room where you kind of have to sit there, right? Um you sit in quarantine in this room for five days. I think it's five days straight. They bring you your meals. You can't really leave. Um, and yeah, you, you live there for five days. And then on the fifth day, you get a COVID test. Um, when the test is over uh, and it comes back negative, you have to stay in the city for, I think, a week. Um, so you, you're allowed to leave your room, but you can't leave the city. Um and then after the week, you're allowed to go wherever you want. So um, he got his COVID swap already. He, he's been there for a bit. But he was saying, like, guys, I'm, 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 I'm not losing my, my mental yet. But I am. Uh, he's like, I'm kind of getting tired of playing Monster Hunter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get, anybody got any other games? Like, he doesn't have his PC, like, his gaming PC with him. He has his, like, streaming PC that he just uses for his normal like his setup and whatnot. So it's really fun to like watch him. Follow him on on Instagram if you guys want to see the story. Um he's vflight96 on Instagram. So feel free to follow him. Uh he, he said another funny thing is like he sees the players coming into the into the hotel, right? And he's like it feels weird 
that I, I'm going to be watching these guys in game. And like everybody's here like, oh, man, the teams are here. They're so cool. Right. And then he's like, I'm your observer. Like, <laughs> I get to watch you for this whole tournament. And like, you can't just go up to there. Like, that's not the way that's your not voice changed right say, there you know? was just, I was not prepared. You know, that's just how, that's how it works sometimes, you know? It's just, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's not, it's not a sexy thing to say. Like, nobody's like, oh, yeah, the observer is so hot. Like, they only like, care. I'm going to be watching your gameplay. <laughs> I can, I can be you. <laughs> like, I am in your head, but yeah, it's uh, it's really fun. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to get in contact with Artie. We'll see if we can bring him on for next week. Um, Post May Melee, and he can definitely talk to us about you know the whole UH experience. All right, then, guys, some great stuff to look forward to. And oh, wait, before we say that, before we end, okay, Kevin, you know the mm. one, the one fun fact I know about Iceland. Would you like to hear it? Mm. There is a penis museum. Excuse me? <laughs> there is a museum of penises in Iceland. My friends have often visited Iceland and they all, I, every single time they go, I ask them about it because it's one of the few things besides hot springs to go do there. There is a museum of penises. <laughs> it's mostly, um, it's mostly different animal penises, but, but there is a, a part of the museum that contains bronze casts of one of the Olympic teams from Iceland of their penises. That's a, a very specific thing to have. <laughs> I mean, if I was in Iceland, I'd go I check mean, it out. It's definitely something on the list now. <laughs> um, tell like, me, tell me to go look at it. Yeah, we'll we'll go tell V to go look at the penis museum whenever he gets the chance. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, like when I was in um, when I was taking in, in school, I took a a class about dinosaurs. It was like dinosaurs and their relatives. It was a terrible class because we didn't really do much in class, but the labs were fantastic because we got to look at stuff. And this one time, my TA hands this bone for us to to look at and touch, and a TA is like, "Touch this bone. What do you think it is?" None of us had any idea, and my TA is like, "That is a dolphin's penis bone." So apparently humans and I guess mammals or, or not just mammals, but like, I don't know what the what specifically it was, but like humans don't have a penis bone and a lot of other animals do. Boner. <laughs> literally, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> and then with that, I'm going to, we're going to leave you with that guys. So um, we hope you enjoyed this news episode of the podcast. We are going to, had do the uh the the gameplay part of it next so please check that out um and if uh, yeah just check that out and next week we'll we'll go over the uh the actual may melee stuff and whatever odd internet things we find hopefully v flight will have visited the the, the penis museum by then and we can report back <laughs> all right guys uh see you next week Next week, we cover the remainder of the May Melee Tournament and bring you more gaming and Overwatch news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms 
and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.